This is The Michael Bryan Show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show. And today I'm joined with Nicole F. Roberts, who's the Executive Director of Feed a Billion. She's a Doctor of Public Health and the co-author of Generosity Wins. Nicole, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So before we actually went air for the show, you were so passionate about trying to redefine what generosity is because it has a lot of misconceptions a lot of things have changed over the years so what's the most up-to-date description of how being generous actually shows up for people well i'm glad you asked so what we were talking about as you alluded to is this idea that when we first started thinking about writing a book on generosity um, it came from this place where as you said my my background's in public health uh, and neuroscience. So I, I'm always thinking about how people act and behave. And my co-author is a very successful um, businessman, entrepreneur. And after retiring, he was reflecting on you know what makes um, good businesses, good organizations, what's the greatest return on investment. And together, we, we decided that generosity was the word. And, and he was the one who really coined it. His name's Monty Wood. But what we realized then is as we started looking around at definitions of generosity, most of them are not helpful at all. And I'd say the act of being generous, right? And okay, well, you define the word with the word. Or they would say something about philanthropy. And so there's a giving of money, right? An exchange of I'm donating to this thing or I'm giving, you know, instead of time or, or something else. And so we decided to go on a journey, which ended up becoming the journey of our main character and interviewing all these people who are very successful. And, and I don't mean that just business-wise. I mean, in, in all these aspects of their life, their family, their marriages, their businesses, their spiritual paths, that like, happy, healthy people who do good in the world. And what we found is that those people who give of themselves with no expectation of return or an exchange are the most happy, the healthiest, they live the longest, uh, they're the most successful in terms of business. And so we set out to really redefine how people think about generosity, about giving of your time or your talent mentoring someone to help their career you know, those sorts of things are so much more important and tangible than the giving of money and don't get me wrong you know donating to causes giving financially to support things is incredible and very very helpful but it is it is not um necessarily what sticks with you the longest or makes you feel the same way uh, we can talk a little bit later if you want about what happens when you give. Uh, there really is some very cool brain and body science. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and so there's limitless ways to be generous. And that's something we wanted to drive home. It could be as simple as a smile at the right time. And you can absolutely change someone's day. Um, and, and that could be the most generous thing you do for that person. One of the things that I'm really curious about is this like spider's web of 
because you bring up money quite a bit in terms of being generous and being philanthropic and all of those kinds of things. But there must be a bit of a a peak generosity thing, almost like a curve of being generous where something's at the top and then there are lesser things. And when people think about money, I think about, well, that's dead easy to do. It's also very convenient to not have any expectations when all you're doing is is giving money. So people think of generosity without thinking of how hard it is to do the thing. So just simply donating, it's that easy to have no expectation of return if all you're doing is sending money. And then mm-hmm. you have to think of all of the other things that, that would go into that. Is there like a a chart or a graph or a diagram that you could maybe describe of like, okay, well, this is the easiest thing to do. It's also the least version of being generous for these reasons and is it a way of describing what the the peak generosity would be as well so i'm not sure i'll be honest so in this process we i kept calling it a formula uh i don't think that's the right word either like but we we set out to figure out what is generosity right how do people express it how do you do it can you teach it that's a question we asked everyone because you know, some of the examples, you, you kind of leaned into a couple there, but, you know, one of the things that we, we asked people was, especially if someone, if someone is say is very wealthy um, and they give some money that wasn't hard for them. Right. And yet there are people who have almost nothing and they will find a way to give to someone else. And that is very meaningful, right? It could be that someone's having a baby and you've been there, you know how hard it is, you know what they need. And so you do find the means somewhere to, to help with, you know, their, their new child, something like that. Um, but on the flip side, what we found is that there's no exact formula because every person's definition of success is different. What makes people happy is different. And so what we're hoping to do it, this is way too soon to even mention it, but we've actually already thought about a book too, digging into how do you create a, a plan for yourself? To, you know, is there a 30 day, like, I don't mean like in a self-help way. I mean, in a very action oriented, like for the next 30 days, every day I want to spend 30 more minutes with my family. I want to come home 30 minutes earlier every day to do the following things for my partner, my children, right? Like, is it that you want to be generous with yourself and you need to carve out one hour a day to start working out because you want to live longer to be there for your children, right? Self-generosity is just as important, right? If you're not taking care of yourself, you are not operating from a place of abundance where you can give to others. And that's emotionally, mentally, spiritually, financially, all those things. So there is no peak that I could confidently speak to There's no exact formula, but what we found consistently is that people who give of their time are the most happy and the most fulfilled. And they all talked, they use synonyms, lots of different words, but they all talked about karma in a way of by giving of your time, whether it's to, Well, like the example I just gave, whether you cut out 30 minutes here or there to help your, it could even be your spouse, right? It could be your children. It could be yourself. It could be when you take time, especially to give your ear, your voice, your thoughts to someone 
in need of that. Uh, what carries with you the brain activity, the excitement, the long-term sort of really like a glow uh, that exists with you and them is the highest. So um, very broadly, I would say giving of your time. And it's also the thing we can never replace, right? Every moment that passes is gone. And so when you dedicate that to someone else in any form, I mean, there's no greater giving of yourself. Do you find that that can shift someone's, I guess, standards? And what I would mean by that is giving your time runs the highest risk of like an increased expectation so if you give your time Mm -hmm. versus something else it raises the stakes and every now and again I have moments when I would be as generous as I think that I Mm -hmm. am being and then my I have to start wrestling with my own thoughts of no no you can't do that while Mm -hmm. having these expectations so sometimes I actually do enough to challenge my own thought processes which is how I know I'm probably doing it right because you start having to (laughs) challenge your own thinking afterwards after the fact and start having to rearrange how you think because yeah you did it with the best of intentions you can't then go back on all of that and start thinking this way or planning this way or using it as a form of manipulation after the fact it's not done in that way and yet I will sometimes do something and then afterwards I'm thinking, oh, why are they doing that now? Or why are they right, all, all of a sudden not, not necessarily repaying in a way? I said, no, no, you didn't do it with that in mind. That didn't go through your mind when you were doing it. Don't suddenly change your mind now just because they're not reciprocating in any, in any way, shape or form. And that, that becomes a standard that shifts because initially your standards are through the you know they're really low because you're doing it to be generous and it doesn't really even approach the radar at the time but then afterwards I'm thinking why why are they why are they doing this instead or why aren't they being generous which is a way of me projecting my own standards I guess you could say onto somebody else and then I have that battle and I think well that means you're doing it right because you're generous enough that you think any any other way you start questioning that and you start trying to push that back to encourage myself to keep going and keep doing it because I'm doing it for the right reasons and that I found it's about the stakes that are involved it's about how big Mm. are you playing is it big enough that you are challenging yourself and that's probably your limit you're that generous that doesn't raise the stakes at all you're quite happy doing it it's not a big issue would you then give more? You no, know, it's, it's like a marrying of your actions with all of the mental chessery that comes along with it. Mm-hmm. You bring up a lot of good points. You packed a lot in there. And the first one is we're humans. That's just, we can't help it, right? We are, we are what we are. And we have had the same brain for millennia. Like it's just who we are. We think and behave almost identically to our ancestors. And, and we know that, well, some people know that some people think we've evolved, you know, in all these wonderful ways. And, eh, we have a little, but <laughs> we're, we're still humans. And so there's no fault in that, right? You, you can set all kinds of goals and you oversleep, you're tired, right? Like we're, we're just humans. We, we have lots of flaws, 
So, you know, don't beat yourself up when you do. And it's normal to have expectations, right? Just like we like to close loops. We hate open-ended questions, open-ended storylines. We like things to close to be consistent. So when you do something very kind for someone else, I think there's a natural assumption that, well, I was good to them. They'll be good to me, right? Real reciprocity here. But in fact, that's not true. It's like a gift. You buy it, you put it in some pretty paper, you hand it over. Once they take it home, if they sell it on eBay, right, that's <laughs> not on you. Like you, you did your part. You gave the gift. Yeah. And, and I think of being generous. I've come to think of being generous in the same way. Once you give it, if you attach things to it, then really what you're doing is just sort of tying yourself up in knots. You do it and you let it go. And you just feel that the good deed will act. Whatever it is that you did, you did it. Uh, we had um, one of our interviewees, one of the points he made, he's a very, very successful guy and lives in Washington, D.C. and has worked with some really, really important people. And yet, uh, I know he mentors so many people and we had asked him some questions about why. And he made this comment that I love. And he said, uh, I find it very easy to say yes. And it just sort of stuck with me because the example he gave was essentially, look, I work in a space that's very transactional. He's like, I get it. And I hate it. Right. But it, it's a transactional world in which he, he works and lives. And he said, but all these people who want advice out of the you know one or two that are asking me to have coffee or a conversation because the next ask is for me to give them a job or get them a letter of rec or you know whatever whatever he's like there's 10 others who are in this particular like he said young people who are really thirsty for knowledge that i have from my decades of experience that they don't have and even if it's just answering their questions so they have more confidence in this decision they're making to go down a career path or to go back to school or to step away and, you know, do something different. He's like, saying yes is so easy. And what I find in the end is it really doesn't take that much time. And there will be people who I feel used by, or they feel very transactional or it didn't come back. He said, but every one of those other people, they go out in the world and they do something good and it just spreads, right? And he said, I'll never know. I planted a seed and they're carrying that forward. And that's that's good enough. And that's something um, that I really loved hearing about in so many ways. I mentioned people talked a lot about, some people said return on investment. Some said karma. A couple people said something to the effect of like a ripple effect, uh, especially those who work in education in some way. And they said, you know, we don't know the effect we're having. We just have to trust that we're giving young people in particular the skills to ask the right questions, to behave in, you know, kind ways, to do all these wonderful things. And then once they go out and they leave our home or our doors, our school, whatever, we're trusting that they're building on what we've started. And I, um, I've loved how many people have talked that way to your point, because they have reached a place where they can just let it go. 
And that's part of why we were saying, well, how do you teach? Can you teach that? If someone has grown up having, you know, someone who grew up in say a situation where their family was in some difficult place, right. And they don't have guardians or parents who are present or demonstrating generosity. If those aren't things that are learned behaviors, if you don't have them demonstrated for you, if everyone in your environment is working from a place of great need, how, how can you learn? And, and that's why hearing that from so many interviewees made me in particular really happy because it just takes a seed. It just, you've got to plant that and, and demonstrate it for people. And it can be learned. It, it, once it's internalized and actively practiced, being generous becomes like second nature and you know how good it feels. So you literally get the dopamine hit yourself and you want to keep doing it. What I would love to know as well is how do they not justify it, but how can they keep doing what it is that they're doing, knowing that they let it go, knowing that they don't really know the effects that they are having while also mentioning karma? It seems like a bit of a a disjointed Mm -hmm. thing where they do it for the karma, they do it for the unknown reciprocity that happens at some random point in time do they then look track back and go oh that had something remotely like the action that i took six years ago when i helped a duck cross the pond somewhere and now all of a sudden they're fathering three of my kids and it it, it doesn't <laughs> it's a bit funny i know but it, it doesn't actually make a whole lot of sense unless mm-hmm. hopefully there's an answer to this where how do they actually connect the dots in a way that's helpful because it, it seems like a weird a weird level of addiction if they're constantly doing it while also convincing themselves that they're they're going to get it back in some it's almost like a gambler's fallacy where like nine out of ten you you lose and you've done nine right and you think oh, now is the time and it's not true but they've convinced <laughs> themselves that it is that's a really good question. And you're right. There's a bit of cognitive dissonance there. Um, I think the best answer I have for that, because I can't speak for anyone else, right, is that a lot of these people that we interviewed and people that we've talked to and, and even looking at like the 90 years of the happiness study that, that, that Harvard's done, you know, when you invest in being generous every day, you just expect good things to happen. You expect, you know, it's not a one for one. Um, in fact, if you read the subtitle of our book, it says superpower, which may sound a bit cheesy at first glance, but I think it gets a bit to your, your previous question and this one. Humans are the only species on earth that is truly generous. We see generous, I promise I'm getting your question. So essentially, you know, we see generous acts and behaviors in primates and in a few other species, but even then it's within say family. So take, you know, like chimpanzees, for example, they'll be very generous. They'll share their food. They share their shelter. They do all kinds of caretaking, you know, there are two babies, the pack takes care, right? But anyone outside of their family, tribe, 
cohort, whatever that is, you know, they'll just as easily kill another dominant male that's infringing, you know, whereas we, to some of the things you've been asking, we may be a little goofy about how we think about it, but in the end, we will give to another human, to an organization, to people that don't look like us, sound like us, believe what we believe in any way. You look at a natural disaster, right? And that's a place where financial donation goes a long way. People will give endlessly of themselves to help others. And they don't expect to end up in a natural disaster themselves where they're counting tip for tip. Well, I gave this, someone else should be bringing this. They just assume I'm helping fellow mankind and it's going to keep our civilization going, whether I'm here or not. And it'll make sure that my children have a place to live, my grandchildren, my whatever. And um, and so I'm not sure if that's an exact answer. I, I meant to answer, but in the end, <laughs> the way we think is it, it is a bit convoluted. And I get your point that you do by assuming good things will come back to you. You do have an expectation, but it's not an individual act sort of expectation. It's not a this for that. It's not to your question earlier. I was very kind to this person and now they're being a jerk to me, right? It's, it's very much like, well, that's their choice, but there are plenty of other people who may hold the door for me. They may keep the cab and, or the elevator and let me catch it. And they're, you know, we're all just sort of paying it forward. I think it's a bit of a reframing, if you will. And it, it is, I think, a superpower because we are not only unique, uh, as species, but also as we head towards this tech world. In fact, in the book, we, <laughs> it was our last edition right before print. And I fought it. I'll admit my co-author was all for it. I fought it. He asked uh, chat GPT if uh, it could be generous and or what generosity was. And of course, we loved all the stuff that it came back with. And I said, oh, goodness, like we worked so hard, months, 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 interviews, research, all these data sets, you know, to write this book and chat GPT is just kicking out answer. <laughs> but then what he did is he asked chat GPT if it could be generous. And it said, absolutely not. It does not have any of the characteristics of care or thoughtfulness. It has no civilization to keep going. It has no generation to come next to think about. It has no friends and relationships and trust building. It, so it gave this whole list of reasons of why, again, uh, generosity separates us from other species and it separates us from tech. One of the things that I actually really like about when you asked AI what, whether it could be generous or not a lot of the things that it came back with are like the anti uh, anti-human aspects so all of the things that it's saying that it isn't we generally are if we put our minds to it uh, i also like it because some of the most generous things that i do i don't have the same thought process as some of the other acts that that i have so there are some things that i do where i'm playing the mental chess that i described before and there are other acts where i don't have that so the acts are similar in nature they're not exact of course but there are some actions that i do where i simply do not 
think the same way and I can't explain it just things that I do and my head just jumps straight to it'll all work out it'll be fine and then there are other actions where I have and some element of thought process that I have to shortcut before I start imagining like torturing them until they do pay me back and I think that 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 can be quite interesting but also I found that sometimes it's like the only people that can hurt you the most are those that are closest to you the people that have the emotional connection to they are the best experience and then the potential for the worst experience as well in terms of like your mental state and your thought processes and all those things because the connection is so much stronger and yet Mm -hmm. it's the connection that also breeds the generosity as well because you care you're thoughtful you consider it you think of them versus you a little bit more because you care so how do you think about that in terms of the thought process behind it because there is the potential for it to go really really well really really great and everything's amazing we also have that dark side of what it could it could tip over because the import you have this assumption that the care is both ways the consideration right. is both ways the thoughtfulness is both ways so in, the, this, in the in the way it would come across yeah you're full of very good questions this is something i would say is out of the scope of the book and out of the scope of my expertise but wearing sort of the, the neuro hat and just the human behavior hat i mean i would say Acts of generosity, I'm I'm playing this out in real time as I think about it. So acts of generosity build trust. Trust is what builds relationships. And so what you're talking about is is a dynamic of relationships. And, And that's why when someone is close to you, whether it's a family member and you don't get a choice, or it's a friend or a spouse, someone you've chosen to be part of your, you know, other family, when they hurt you, the sting is so much greater. You could read about a scenario that happens to someone and go, oof, you know, that sucks. But then when it happens to you, <laughs> you spend three days in bed crying and you're devastated yeah. and you can't believe, right? Those things, that, oh, they hit home. And, and so relationships are very complicated. Emotions are very complicated. And I think um, they're... There isn't a way to protect yourself unless, and you hear this in different ways, right? Like people who don't ever get in relationships and it's like, you're not opening yourself up to be hurt. <laughs> and so, but it, it's part of, it's part of being human. It's part of relationships. The thing I would say is if you find yourself, and I've certainly been in these situations, um, if you find yourself, whether it's a parent or a spouse or a friend or a dating mate whatever you know and someone is making you question yourself question the trust question the relationship you know those are boundary issues and then it's I would say it's really about you setting boundaries and it could be exception hard I mean we're going down a different path here but there's a reason people in violent relationships don't leave Right. And once you're entangled in something, 
it is so hard for our brains to accept change and process change. It's like you can't see your way out of a situation. And so we do the thing that's the antithesis of taking care of ourselves because we'd rather have, what is it? The devil, you know, versus the devil, you don't. Yeah. Um, you know, so again, I think that's definitely, I mean, I know it's definitely outside the scope of, of the book and, and my work in particular, but I think just knowing people, it is really, there's work to be done then about reframing, resetting your boundaries, your expectations, your, you know, what you accept is right and wrong. And it can be really scary and hard to break or step away from, or, you know, with family, it's often just keeping them at a distance. And on holidays, you got to do whatever you got to do to get through that holiday dinner. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess, I guess I'll, sorry, that was a long way to just real-time thought process. Um, it's knowing yourself and knowing your boundaries and then setting them in a way that other people, even if they don't appreciate them, they're clear. Yeah, it's um, it's a weird kind of conversation that you would have with yourself because then you've got to assume that everything that you think that you know isn't actually the case. Like maybe the relationship isn't there. Like the amount of times I tend to describe it as, you know, when you've got friends that you're at a point where you can almost make fun of each other and everyone understands that you're playing around. And then there are certain people where they can have the same conversation and it's not mm-hmm. the same. Uh, you almost take offense with the fact that they think that they are close enough to you that they can make fun of you and it be a joke. Similar to being generous. There are people that you will do things and you have this constant reciprocation throughout like forever because it's it's understood. It's We're close enough that we will do this no matter what, and they will do it no matter what, and it works the same way. And then for somebody else, you have the same level of feeling for them, I guess you could say, where you're generous just because of that that's who you are, and then it's not returned by the same person, but maybe returned by somebody else, which is something that we could probably talk about as well. And it's elements of karma as it doesn't have to be the same person, right. the same environment, the same situation. It's about coming back to you in any way, shape or form. But sometimes it is about the closeness and the mutual generosity in that similar to that, the whole joking around thing, it's about Mm -hmm. how it's received, but then returned as well in in a sense of sometimes they do things for you. Sometimes you do things for them. And it is what it is because it's something that you're close enough to each other that you, you have this mutual understanding. Yeah, that's really important. So you just brought up something that I hadn't thought of. And I have an example from this morning. And it's about, um, it's in the vein of like, people are also generous in different ways. And so the, my husband did something this morning that until you just said that I did not think of as generous. And as you were talking, I went, Oh, my gosh, that was him just trying to protect me. Uh, And that is, there's something for the book. And I said, Oh, I could maybe do this thing. And he said, I don't think you should. I was like, why? It's a chance to get in front of people and do this thing. And he said, because the way it's going to end is you're going to get your feelings hurt. And I was like, what do you mean? He said, you have such high expectations of, and and I won't go into it specifically because it'll, it'll 
make it clear what I'm talking about. But in the end, he said, you have high expectations. And he said, I can pretty much guarantee those expectations won't get met and you'll be disappointed. And then you'll take it personally that you didn't do enough or if you had given more or if you had. And he went through this whole list of things. And I said, well, I'll think about it. And I, as you were just saying, I was saying like, but that's a dynamic of our relationship. He and I are very, very, very different human beings. And I often don't think of him as being um, generous, but he's not in the same way I am, right? Like the way I express it, I hate the love languages, but in in its own way, it's, it's, you know, about how people express things differently. And as you were talking, anyway, sorry, it just hit me. I was like, that was really his kind way of saying I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want you to feel negatively. Let me, you know, let me protect you from this potential thing that I think is going to hurt you. Um, even if you think it's the, the thing to do, just be aware, at least lower your expectations. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely yeah. a strange one, isn't it? Because everyone would express it differently as well which actually makes you almost go against the whole hierarchy scenario because just because it's the peak state for somebody else it might be not even in their thought process that they would do it like for some people giving money use money as as the example because people do donate quite often for some that could be extremely generous because maybe they they don't have a lot of it to start with so any amount that they give outside of themselves is generous and yet somebody else that might be a billionaire or a millionaire or whatever it is they're right. they're doing it because they just want to, to tick a box or they're doing it for tax reasons which <laughs> you can do by the way those right? that are listening you know you mentioned the opening i run a nonprofit, feed a billion we feed girls in need and throughout the world um girls in particular and it got worse during the pandemic are kept home from school, they're married early, they're indentured servitude, there's human trafficking. I mean, there's all kinds of things that happen. And, and so, you know, our goal is to keep girls in school. And what we found is the best and easiest way to keep girls in school is by providing them food. Uh, and so by putting food in schools or food in the hands of girls, um, we ensure that they go, that parents take one more thing, literally pun intended, off their plate right? They know their girls are safe, they're healthy, they're being educated. And World Bank, everyone else, WHO, right? Every one year of education for a girl increases her safety and her earning potential. I would say earning potential by like 18%. And we also see that women um, give back to their community. So you can teach a man to read and no offense, but in most cases, he knows how to read. You teach a woman to read, she'll teach her children, she'll teach her neighbors, she'll teach, right? So Education in women is so important. All this is to say what, what your point was. And also, you know, as someone who runs a nonprofit, I can't tell you how much every $5 means. We can make two full meals with a dollar, a, a US dollar. That's 10 meals. That's 10 girls who either got to go to school that day or got the nutrients they needed to not only survive, but to thrive. I mean, if, you're, if your stomach's grumbling, you're tired, you're lethargic, you can't focus, you can't listen, you're not growing your brain, your body, nothing's growing the way it should be. And so nutrition is, is just so important in development. So 
donor dollars do matter. I don't want to, you know, say like, eh, it's just money. It's easy. It's not, it's really not. It's, it's hard. Um, not everyone's able to do it, but in our case, a dollar matters. A dollar feeds two children. That's huge. And on nonprofits like ours, those people who donate five to $25 a month, they're what keep the organization going. It's not the one-time big grant. Those almost always come from a special project, an earthquake, some event where people are really focused and a person or organization says, here's a bulk of money, feed all the children. Great, we can do it, right? That day-to-day survival, literally, and I don't think that's an exaggeration of a word, survival of us and the girls is those small donations. And those are people who I don't doubt that some of them have it set up and the $10 leaves their bank account every month and they don't even know what happens, right? But definitely. But at some point they heard us talk. They met an organization or a person that we had fed. They, you know, something touched them in a way that they said, this is a place I want to put what I can when I can. And um, it is a wonderful act of kindness and it's back to that sort of ripple effect. They have no idea the, the impact that they have when we can keep girls in schools. And, and that's in the U.S. that's abroad. Um, food insecurity during the pandemic off the charts and as benefits are rolled back and kids, particularly right now, are going back to school or have been back in school for a few weeks. That one meal a day they get at school often is, is not enough to sustain them. So um, those, those small dollars, if, you know, I don't question where they come from, but they matter. They really, really matter. And I do want whatever people believe in, whatever organizations they support, if you give and they use those dollars wisely, they really do matter. What do you do that feels generous to you, given how many projects that you're on, the books that you write, the speaking, the nonprofit that you're a big part of? And then we were talking about being connected, feeling like you're making a difference rather than the, you know, the, the five dollars or pounds that go out every month and you don't even see it. You probably felt the connection at the time, but then two years on, does it feel the same way? What do you do that feels like you're making the the bigger difference i i imagine the goalpost may move every now and again and you've got to adjust for it but what do you do uh that's a really thoughtful question i would say i know where my heart is to your point those sort of my my values don't change right those things that are important to me don't change the mission pivots a little here and there based on, on what I'm doing. So I would say for me, I like to be hands-on. I used to be very hands-on. And if there was an issue, I'd be on a plane. I I started a human rights firm um, years, 13, 14 years ago. Um, You know, so there was an earthquake in Haiti for me. I'm like, well, it's a two hour flight to Miami or from Miami. I just have to get to Miami. How do we get there? You know, there's plenty of hospitals to live in. People need help clinics. I can work in a clinic. What do we do? So I used to be very, very hands-on. That was so rewarding to me because you're literally touching 
people. You're seeing the impact. Um, to your point earlier, right? There's a little bit of selfishness there as well because I'm I'm able to touch and see the impact, right? So I'm getting something in real time in return. Um, I got married a few years ago and I just had our first child and that's obviously gone out the window. I can't hop on a plane anytime I feel like it. I'm here, the pandemic as well made international travel difficult. And so I've had to really redefine for myself what that looks like. Part of it, uh, you actually used all the right words. I would say one thing I've always wanted to do is write a book just to get ideas about kindness out there. And so this for me is a way of my own generosity of taking a year of my life while raising a baby to try and learn as much as I could using data, science, interviews, experiences, and to give people, right? This isn't about me. Like this hero's journey is about each person who picks up the book and wants to learn how to be more generous in their life. To me, that's, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And it makes me really happy. It doesn't have that same daily effect. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, another thing is connection. I love that you use that word. I have learned over the years, my greatest high of sorts is connecting people. And I know that sounds kind of weird, but I truly believe one and one can make 50. So if you connect the right two people, they can start a movement. They can build an empire. They can literally move mountains if you introduce right people, right organization, whatever it is, because people have such different skill sets. But if you can align people's passion and work ethic, like it's off to the races. And, and that to me really fits in with our definition of generosity in that I don't expect anything from it. They're not going to hire me and name me CEO of whatever thing they make, right? The, I just know that because this person has a background in X and that person has the ability to do Y together, they can make what, you know whatever the thing is that's really needed. And once they make it, the world gets better. Like to me, that is just, I love connecting people. It makes me so happy. Um, and in, in the same sort of lane, but different, I like connecting people to ideas. So I've, I envy you and your podcast ability. I let mine sort of, it didn't die. I just, well, I had a baby. And so I stopped being able to record all the time. <laughs> yeah. But I started a, a podcast and I want to get it regoing. It's called the Global Good Podcast. And it, again, cheesy name, super altruistic. But the point is, having worked in so many countries, I know so many people who are not famous. They're working on shoestring at best budgets, doing remarkable work. But they're the kind of people who are so busy doing the good work, they don't have time for promotion and media and marketing and they particularly don't know how to get in front of, um, you know, high income country audiences. They're running a school in Bangladesh. They're, you know, running a, an eye clinic in, in uh, Rwanda, something like that. And so my goal in, in that was to connect people. And I just thought, well, if every week I could interview someone doing the hard work, the real shit that matters, that's just not 
pretty, but they came up with a model, a plan or whatever, and they're doing it. If I can talk to them, interview them about their passions, their purpose, their impact, and just put it out in the world, you know, you never know what happens. It just takes one listener to donate or to volunteer or go, oh my gosh, I know an organization that does that. I can just connect them. And, and that was um, the back end goal of every episode was to provide five links, whether it was an article to learn more or the email of the person I interviewed, whatever it was, the goal was here are five ways to literally connect to the person or place or thing I just interviewed. It's really interesting that you bring up altruism and the podcast as well, because I wonder if there's a distinction between all these things like kindness, generosity, altruism. Is there a way of combining or could you describe generosity by saying being altruistic and and things like that? Because it it seems that there's a lot of people that can get it wrong. There's a lot of people that are maybe swallowing a thesaurus for want of a better expression and just using words that all mean the same thing. Yes, that is actually the starting point. What you just asked was basically the very first phone call my co-author and I had. And essentially I looked up, I made an Excel spreadsheet of definitions of words because I wanted to understand what we were and were not doing. And honestly, I think it was the figuring out what we were not doing was the easier part. Because again, like at the beginning, I said a lot of the definitions were philanthropy based. And I said, we're not doing philanthropy. That's a form of being generous, but that's not what it means. And so it was, I think, easier to start with what does the word not mean? Um, Words that were often conflated, confused, overlapping in definition. Altruism was one. Um, Actually, surprisingly, success was one, which I I didn't like at all, but I I thought that was really interesting way to define that. Kindness was one like altruism that a lot of people swap generosity and kindness. Um, I think in our everyday jargon, I mean, even amongst a family, amongst a community, certainly amongst different countries that we can use the same word and mean something completely different. <laughs> so, you know, there's no, yeah. there's no way to, um, you know, sort of put a flag in the ground and say, Every person in the whole world is going to do this now, right? But for us, it was important to define generosity. And in our exact, in fact, we opened the book with five definitions. And the first one is just generosity. And it's any act of kindness or support given with no expectation of exchange or return from the recipients. And that there are limitless, meaningful ways to be generous. We left it simple and broad, but yet tried to put some parameters particularly around that thing that we talked about it, you know, at length about no expectation of an exchange or return from the recipient. Was there anything that surprised you about Mm. being generous? Maybe something that after you wrote the book or you compiled all the information, you were thinking, oh, that's, that's really interesting. I never, never quite thought of that. Or as a result of writing the book, have you had to shift things slightly? What have you learned from the book? Is there anything to take you by surprise? Oh, a lot of things took me by surprise. As I said, you know, the first example that comes to mind is the one I gave, which is the AI. I mean, we were literally going to print, pose the question, and my co-author said, time out. And I was like, absolutely not. 
no. <laughs> uh, and then we decided it was so important. It was worth going back. But you can imagine like at that point, you know, like a 250 page book to work in an entirely new concept about technology. It's not like you just add a page at the end. You don't just like sticky note it in there, right? Like we had to go back and thoughtfully incorporate. And in fact, we interview a guy who's um, in the tech world and sold a company for a billion dollars in, in the tech space and reached out and said, let's talk about this. We want, you know, we didn't think about this at the time, but also, you know, we were writing the book and had just finished when chat GPT and all the other open AI options just exploded onto the scene. Had we gone to print a week sooner, there would be no technology in the book. Um, it, you know, I'm actually, I think it's such a blessing that it happened the way it did because it really made us rethink tech in the future. And we happened to have an interviewee who's an expert in it. We were able to close out the book with his interview. We literally shifted chapters around to, to tell that story. We thought the right way. Um, what else surprised me? Honestly, hearing people's stories, which is, I, I feel like that's kind of a compound answer, but it's the truth. We included 12 interviews in this book. Each person brought something so deeply personal about their life and their experience that just, I think three of the interviews, I was crying, literally tears streaming down my, like, because they were telling me stories about acts of things that had happened, good, bad, and otherwise, that changed how they interacted with the world. And um, I was so surprised that people, in some cases, some of the interviewees I know, a couple I know really, really well, um, others were my co-authors, contacts, or ideas. I mean, it's people that he and I had never met. Either one of us, we got on our first Zoom call and said, hi, I'm Nicole. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and that people who, again, to being generous, they were so willing once they understood what our project was about, what we were trying to accomplish, knowing they were going to go to print. Right. And then we were like, and it's very successful. A million people read this book. Right? And they were still willing to open up about their lives and stories. And I was so surprised at the vulnerability of all these individuals and and we're talking you know spouses who have died to being diagnosed with a disease to you know and how they worked it into their life in fact we had one woman um you can hear it in my voice and just thinking about her story and she's you know of course said i hope no one ever has to experience the kind of loss i have she said but it, it really helps you if you can use, she didn't use the word help, but essentially it, it enables you to tap into something different. Once you work through some of life's experiences, your ability to do even that thing you and I were talking about, like you, you do something kind and you just sort of spin around. And I find myself just like you waking up at 2am thinking about it, and, right? The way she described things is like, there are certain events that happen that that doesn't become something that keeps you up at night. You're so 
in a different place emotionally. And it's not that one's good or bad or better or worse. It's just our experiences are so different. And yeah, it just, it's even now thinking about like, it just shocked me how open and vulnerable people were willing to be with us once they knew what our goal was. It, it, it's an entirely selfless act, every interview. So would you say that there was an actual formula for this or some little tweaks that people can, can make? If someone wants to be more generous, mm-hmm. what would you suggest that they do? What kind of little hints and tweaks that you can help people understand that they, they can make these tweaks and they can be, feel like they're more generous or at least move the needle a little bit? Because some people are probably on the kindness spectrum, but then they're probably listening to some of my little rants about mental chess and they're probably thinking I do that every single time I I do something for somebody and now I realize it probably isn't a good thing so what 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 can people do about you know we want to be more generous but how can we do that I wrote a book on it and I still do it it's fine uh how can they well there are a couple different answers I think to that the first is it's intention I think it's very much about intention and if you decide First of all, you want to hear these examples, read the stories, buy the book. But secondarily to that, it's a joke. Earlier, I gave the example of it could be a smile, right? You could make it your goal. You don't change your schedule. You don't change income. You don't change a single thing about your life except every day. Maybe it's a person at your office. It's a real asshole. Some, you know, whatever. And you're like, for the next thirty days. Every day or the one day a week we have the meeting together where I'm going to like make an extra coffee and bring it over to their desk or something, right? Like, I don't know because I don't everyone's thing yet, but it could be that I'm going to do smile. I'm just going to smile at them. We happen to get on the elevator every day at the same time. I'm going to look up from my phone and I'm going to smile. Just going to do it. Like, it doesn't take anything away from your schedule, your time, your energy. It's just going to be an act that you do. And, and so you set that intention, right? Um, the other side of that is a, is a much bigger endeavor. And it's the one that I hope a lot of people will go on. And that is setting your own mission, vision, values, purpose. And that is to get people to really stop and, and they're in the book and on our website. So you can look up what all those mean and how to do them. But you can also Google, like, what's the difference between a mission and a vision, right? Companies have them. Every organization has them. I think everyone should have a personal mission, vision, values, purpose. And for me, at least, and a lot of the people I know, it has made life easier. It's made some of that mind spinning less troublesome. Uh, certainly after having a child, it's helped me choose what I do and don't do because I know I love connecting people. I love communicating with people, hearing their ideas, asking questions, like I moderate a lot of events. I don't sit on panels. I almost always moderate because I just like asking questions. And you're a very good question asker, by the way, as someone who does it a lot, you're a very good question asker. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I know those things that I love and I'm passionate about. And so if someone asks me, hey, can you do this thing? I can look at, you know, the schedule with my husband or my son and 
does this align with, you know what, this meets all the things. Like, I really want to do this. This is so important to me. Or I can look at it right now and go, yeah, not this year. Don't have it in me. It doesn't align with whatever. And I know that's a, a silly example, but if you know your purpose, if you're living your purpose, you can put up with a whole lot of stuff because you just stop caring about it, right? It's not, um, what is that book? Um, sorry, you don't like cursing on your show, but the, the book's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And the premise is once you determine what you care about, it's really easy not to care about all these other things, right? Like the art is to figure out what's important and then you stop giving a fuck about everything else. <laughs> and, and so, you know, once you set your personal, even if you have to write them down on a piece of paper, your values, your mission, your vision, your purpose, and you know those, whether it's in your home, your office, whatever it is, where you're practicing those every day, it's, it's so much easier to, to always be give from a place of giving. Cause then like you mentioned earlier, you give knowing you're in your comfort zone, right? Like I'm, I'm, I know I can give this much, but my family at the holidays where they expect too much here, I can't give that much. It, it sucks me dry. My well goes dry. And then I have nothing left to give to my own family, right? Like, so I, you've got to find what's important to you. And we hope a lot of people will use this book as a means to really revisit or for the first time define their own mission vision values and purpose well you have opened up a little bit of a can of worms there because you mentioned being generous but then within your comfort zone and there are so many people that also whether they're people pleasers they're carers they are sort of be beating themselves up a little bit in this pursuit of giving and caring and being generous and all those things and I know we can talk about boundaries until we're blue in the face but have you got a any kind of solution for these people because they're probably burned out they're probably struggling and yet they can't wrap their head around but they they ask and I just can't say no and it's things like that yep it's a perfect question. And I think there's actually a really simple answer and I struggle with it daily, daily. And that is self-generosity. I mentioned it earlier, but it's actually a big part of the book. And I never, back to actually your question about things that surprise me, I never thought a lot of the book would be about self-generosity. And we actually asked every interviewee, how are you generous with yourself? Because what we discovered is that, as I said earlier, you know, if you're working from an, an empty place, you don't have anything else to give you become resentful you are tired you're worn out you have to take care of yourself whatever that is for you and so we define self-generosity as any action that one takes that moves them closer to becoming the person they aspire to be and we wanted to be very clear that overindulgence is not self-generosity right it's what moves you closer to who you want to be and if that is I have to carve out time to go to the gym. So I'm here for my kids. Great. Be generous, right? If it's, I need 30 minutes to read a book by myself because I have to reset. And that's the only way I can come home and be a kind person after the hell of a day. (laughs) Whatever it is, if you're taking actions that move you closer to being the person you want to be, you're being kind 
to yourself. And that enables you to be generous with others. I do it's get really the impression. Yeah. It, it's almost like they, they kind of forget that part of it as well. They just kind of keep going. And then I kind of picture it like um, it, it takes more to build yourself up if you, in air quotes, let yourself get to that point. Like if right. you do something a little bit every day, you don't need to take a, a day off or a week off or go away for a month in the in the mountains somewhere because you stretch yourself to the point where you can barely think anymore if you do a little bit every day for yourself that, that enables the rest of it it's almost like some downstream version of you can be more generous if you're able to look after yourself because as you said you're giving from something that is already full and it's dead easy to do that it's crazy how generous people can be when they're rested or when exactly. they're well fed or when they're healthy and you just um, two big ones food yeah. and, and sleep i mean it's amazing how different your perspective is on something your temperament if you have a meal and sleep a good night's sleep can change your entire perspective and, and for some people as the mother of a one-year-old a, a full night's sleep seems impossible like i I'm, I'm exhausted all of the time <laughs> yet, but that's something I know that I need. And my husband's learned, I really need every now and then <laughs> I need more yeah. sleep and it's better for everyone. <laughs> it is. It is. And I, I find as well that I've also noticed this in myself and some of the people that I'm able to poke pieces of advice to, if they let me, and mm -hmm. it's, it's so easy to not do those things because you feel selfish for yep. doing it. Almost like you get put yourself in a position whereby anything that you do for yourself, you feel like you're not allowed or you feel Agreed. like you need permission to do those things. I feel and, that way all the time. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, then it's almost like, as you say, with the mind, the, the framing, the reframing of, okay, look, well, if I do these things... I can then do more and be more for everybody else and everybody else benefits. It's like a confirming cycle. There's a saying, I know a lot of people don't like it, but I, I do for this reason. And that is when you're on an airplane and they always say, put on your face mask before you assist anyone around you. But to me, in this case, it, it's really, you know, it's not about being in a desperate situation. It's about if you're not taking deep breaths of air, you're not going to be able to help as many people around you. So take that little bit of time to put your face mask on and then you're working from a place where you can assist everyone around you. But if you're gasping for air, you're going to be fumbling around. You're going to be struggling to reach something. You're not going to be able to. So, and, you know, when I think of self-generosity, I, like I said, I know it's an extreme example, but we hear it on every flight we're on. I, I do think about like You've got to work from a place where you're getting whatever your deep breath of air is, because without it, you're not doing all the things that you, you could and should be for others. Well, Nicole, that is a fantastic way to, to finish. Very fascinating conversation. Really appreciate having you as a guest. I appreciate guest. you so much. So give people a chance to grab the book. How can they do it? What's the name? How can people connect with you? How can people um, find out more? The book is called Generosity Wins, 
And it, we actually have a website, generositywins.us or .us. We actually say it as us because generosity wins us. You know, so, um, so we have our, our site, otherwise Amazon, uh, or I highly encourage local bookstores. <laughs> local bookstores are better, but whatever's easiest. Um, so we're in, we're in bookstores. We uh, have a website. Um, other than that, I'm pretty easy to find Nicole F. Roberts. Nicole Roberts is such a basic name. I use my middle initials. So that helps you find me, but Twitter, Instagram, I'm on all those places and it's me and I do respond and react. And uh, we actually have on our website ability to reach out. So have a question, you have a message, just send it. It'll come to me and I'll, I'll get back to you. Thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Those that are listening, feel free to subscribe, share the show, tell others, and also leave a review wherever you are listening in to your podcasts. Nicole, it's been great. I've enjoyed it. I look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you. Thank you so much.